You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. I'm Wes Goldberg with David Vermeil, and we've got a great show for you today. Andre Drummond could be on the move, as could Kevin Love. But with the NBA tread deadline a month away, we'll start in Los Angeles, where the Lakers are reportedly listening to offers for Kyle Kuzma. Kuzma is one of just the few young players the Lakers retained in the Anthony Davis trade, and many view him as the team's best hope at a true third option next to LeBron and Anthony Davis. But David, do you think now would be a good time to move on from Kuzma? Absolutely. I think the sooner the better. Um, if you can get any any players in return that uh, would be of value towards what the Lakers are ultimately seeking, which is a title this season, you do it. Because I just don't have any faith in Kuzma being a third option. I don't know if he's necessarily even a, a good player. I think he's capable. I think he's got some tools there. But his overall lack of consistency, the fact that he doesn't do anything particularly well or for a very long period of time, doesn't make him the kind of player that fits well with LeBron James and the kind of system that he's used to running, either in Miami or in Cleveland, where they're, you're building a team of veterans that are capable of contributing, that fit around his orbit, and that can play at a high level, and Kuzma just isn't that. He's 24 years old. He's very young. He's kind of the darling of that front office because they found him you know, in the, at the end of the first round, and he's kind of, in those first two years, outplayed expectations typical with a, a, a late first-round pick. This year, though, his numbers are all down. Uh, his minutes are down because he's buried behind guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis. I mean, he plays the same position as basically both of those players. LeBron at this point is really a power forward, though he plays three. Anthony Davis is more of a, a center power forward. He's playing a lot of power forward right now. I, I I think that there's still value in keeping Kuzma. And I think that was really – it was strong by that front office to at least keep him or just whatever young player, whether it was him or Lonzo or Brandon Ingram, like just to keep one of them in order to – to find another way to go get another contributor. Because you're right, he doesn't fit with this team, but I wouldn't move him for just anything. I think you've got... The Lakers are at a point right now where, with their salary cap and the way that this roster is constructed, they have to nail every single one of these kind of fringe moves, right? I mean, they got to go out and, and crush every 27th pick like they did with Kuzma and go find the Alex Caruso's, you know, who could be an all-star this year, apparently. Like, you go get... They have to nail all those moves in order to maximize this LeBron James and Anthony Davis tandem. So I'm in favor of moving Kyle Kuzma, but you got to do it for the right trade. And Mark Stein, earlier today, or earlier Monday, I should say, uh, reported that Sacramento was among the teams that were potentially interested in Kyle Kuzma. Now, of course, there's the Luke Walton connection there, but the Kings have a really interesting player in Bogdan Bogdanovich who could be a real asset, I think, to the Lakers. He would be... He would be a home run for them. And then Sam Amick is also reporting that uh, Sacramento would not be interested in a one-for-one trade. So that they would, the Lakers would probably need to throw in probably a little bit more to get Bogdanovich. I don't know what they have left, but if they could go get a guy like Bogdanovich, that would be a win for them. It, I mean, every time you think that the Kings are on the path towards making a right decision, I know this is more about Kuzma and the Lakers, but... I mean, Bogdanovich is a good, solid player. Not only that, but again, he has at least one skill that you can say is markedly better than any you know, than at most players in the NBA, as opposed to Kuzma, who is just kind of a okay, versatile player who does you know everything at a mediocre level at best. <laughs> and Bogdanovich is a good shooter, at least, and he fits, like you said, perfectly around LeBron James. You got Anthony Davis, you get LeBron James making plays, and you get a quality shooter like Bogdanovich, and all of a sudden, I think. 
the Lakers become even further ensconced as the uh, title favorites this season, to be honest with you. I think he's a good secondary ball handler too. He can he can um he can attack against a bent defense, which is often what those guys are are facing coming off of LeBron James passes and things like that. I I I agree with you. I don't think that the the Kings are the Kings are like the Kings are taking one step forward and like six steps backwards. Right. And moving Bogdanovich would be that, but I actually think he's more valuable than a guy like Buddy Heald for them, and they seem to have picked Buddy Heald over Bogdanovich. I, there, there were times last year when the Kings were surprising people and making a playoff run until deep in the season that you could have argued that Bogdan Bogdanovich was their best player, period, over guys like De'Aaron Fox, over guys like Marvin Bagley, and and they don't really see what his value is necessarily. I guess they see it a little bit in that they're not interested in just a one-for-one one for Kuzma, but then Kuzma just plays the same position as all these other... Like, they're going to face the <laughs> same problem with Kuzma as the Lakers are right now. Like, what do you do with Marvin Bagley? What do you do with Harry Giles, Harrison Barnes, all these other guys? So New York Knicks West, I suppose, right? But I mean, <laughs> instead, of, instead of 18 power forwards, they have 18 small forwards, kind of tweeners, you know? I mean, you're in Sacramento right now, aren't you? I mean, I have they brought up the trade at any point? Or is there it's, like a, a dark cloud hovering over the Kings yet again? Uh, I, I've, I was in Sacramento, but I really wasn't paying attention much to Sacramento. I was here for the That's Warriors. Right. Sure, I got you. I'm very happy not to have to pay attention to Sacramento as much anymore. Um, <laughs> there, to go back to the Lakers, though, uh, is there a move that makes sense? Is there a player out there um, that makes sense, I guess, for for a guy like Kuzma? I don't want to do a whole like trade machine thing right now, mm. but do you think that they should just do this now, or should they wait until the end of the year? Um, should they try to package him in a bigger deal to go get... Like, what position should they be looking for? Should it be like a Bogdanovich, like another guard like that? Uh, yeah, I, I think that makes the most sense. I mean, I know I know some Memphis fans would probably say, we'll take Kuzma in exchange for uh, Andre Iguodala, but that doesn't seem very likely either, right? I mean, I, if Memphis could pry mm. Kuzma in exchange for that, maybe that would make a lot of sense. But I know Iguodala is the kind of player that LeBron and the Lakers are probably seeking, right? Somebody, a wing player that has championship experience and knows how to contribute and can still stretch the floor and, and do, you know, a, little, a lot of little things. He, I guess his defense is what separates him even at this age from what Kuzma is. But uh, I, I just don't see that as a realistic option. I guess... And I don't think that's a good move. Like, I don't even think oh. that's... I would rather have Kuzma than Iguodala at this point. Right. No, yeah, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. I think that's, okay. that favors Memphis heavily. But I, I know that's the kind of player they're targeting. But they're between between Iguodala or Jay Crowder, these are players that are going to be available, but I wouldn't trade a, a, a player like Kuzma because... Yeah. At, at Unless young you can as get a is, pick with them. I mean, if you can get a first-round pick with a guy like Kuzma and get a, an immediate contributor like Iguodala... Or somebody like that, uh, Jay Crowder. That's a good one right there. Uh, if you can get that player with a first round pick, like the the key there would be getting a who, future asset. Like the, the who was Lakers the front can't office, trade future assets. What, for what front office was assets. in place in Los Angeles when they drafted Kuzma? Was it? Uh, I think it was this one. I think it was uh, this current front office. Minus oh, I, I wasn't sure. It was the, the 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 I forgot now what his name is. The, the Hornets GM that, that was where they were the Lakers for such a long Cupjack? time. Yeah, Mitch Kupchak. Yeah, that's right. No, he was there, was maybe. That. No, it was. Uh, it's it's the it's the current group, which is why they are so, I guess, bullish on him. Bullet, yeah, bullish on Kuzma. And look, I get it. He's got a good skill set. He's an interesting scorer. He's one of those. I think what you need with with this group with Anthony Davis and LeBron is just somebody who can go out and get get you eighteen or twenty points a night when one of those guys just doesn't have it. Oh, you know, he can like do it. Eric Gordon he, next to 
next to he James Harden. He can do that, but, but right, can. isn't that the thing that he can? But the, the problem is that he can't do it consistently, and you can't rely on him. His game is so is so prone to fluctuations where he can't put up big nights, and then the next night he struggles to even score. Well, the other problem is if he if he, he's only playing like twenty three minutes a game, so if he does have the hot hand, you're now because he plays the same position as LeBron and and Anthony Davis, minutes, yeah. you're eating into those minutes, and that's the whole thing. Is like Eric Gordon, a guy like him, can play next to Harden. And, you know, before Chris Paul and now Russell Westbrook. Like, that was the whole point. And with Kuzma, it's really hard to do that because you sacrifice a lot. Even though you have, you know, more size on the floor, you're, you're sacrificing a lot of versatility and some guard play. I do think that they should be looking at a, a ball handler. A ball handler who could shoot a little bit, um, obviously off the catch, but even a little bit off the dribble. Bogdanovich is, is the name that sticks out. But a player like that would make a lot of sense. So if they could do something like that, and if they could do something... Uh, in addition, where whether it's getting a guy like Iguodala on the buyout or somebody else like that, a, a veteran... Darren Collison, right too, the name that's been floated around, right? Yeah, Darren Collison. Like, any player who could just sort of give you 10 to 15 minutes a night and, and perform in the playoffs, that would be a win for them. And if they can move Kuzma to do that, then I say, do it. But if not, I say, hold on to the asset and make a move when it makes more sense. Speaking of moves that make more sense, what teams should be pursuing Andre Drummond? That's coming up after the break. The Pistons are reportedly listening to offers for Andre Drummond with teams like the Hawks, Mavericks, and Raptors, most often linked to acquiring the 26-year-old center. David, do you like Drummond's fit with any of those teams? Uh, not particularly, but mostly because I just don't like Andre Drummond's game in general. Like, I mean, I know he puts up a lot of occasional big numbers. I think there's still some minor value to the, the kind of style that he represents. But at the same time, uh, I'm not sure that he's made the full evolution into this era. And his kind of game is sort of phased out a little bit. I mean, if there's going to be a fit among those teams, it's probably the Hawks. And I, and I think it makes a lot of sense because you have enough youth there. You don't have immediate expectations, although I think a lot of people, at least maybe a lot of fans, expected this team to contend for a playoff spot. Those were obviously a little too optimistic. But if you add Drummond, and you bring him to this, you know, a core of of Trey Young and John Collins, along with Kevin Herter and some of their other players. That's a pretty good group there. I mean, I think that fits very well with what they're doing. I think you could have Collins out on the floor because he's capable of stretching the floor a little bit on occasion. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to have. He's not the kind of playmaker that like Griffin is, so it's not as complimentary a fit there. But between Young and his ability to run the pick and roll, I think you get. A guy like Young to kind of be the ball handler and have Drummond rolling to the hoop, that's a, a pick your poison kind of option there for defense for, the, for defenders. And I, I mean, I think it, it works a, a very well in Atlanta's favor. So you have half a season to kind of incorporate him, and then maybe you can kind of grow there. The problem, of course, though, is Drummond's free agency and what that makes for if that's if it's worth making a trade now and what you give up in exchange for Drummond this season. He's got a 20, $29 million player option for next season. That is a lot of money, but a lot of people also expect him to decline that because the free agency class this summer is so bad. Right. And he could go get wine and dine, pick a spot, and maybe even get a max contract because it's Oof. just such a shallow free agent class. Wow. Uh, I don't like the Hawks move. I, I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, I kind of get the fit with him and Trey Young. He is a, I would prefer just playing John Collins at center and just kind of moving in that direction. Yeah. He's played... Forty percent of his minutes there, according to Basketball Reference. Okay. I know that's kind of inexact, but I mean, I know he's playing more center now this year than he has over his first. And in crunch time, that's where he should be playing too, right? And right. and that to me matters. Like if you if you're going to play him in, at at that spot in crunch time, and Drummond's going to be off the floor, then why would you pay Drummond 
the max, unless you do believe that John Collins is his future is power forward, in which case go for it. But uh, it does. It seems a little panicky for me if they were to make the Drummond deal. I, I get that he sort of fits the window. He's gonna, he's twenty six, going to be twenty seven next season. He's so he's a little bit older for their window right now. But uh, I think a lot of people within the Hawks and, and Hawks fans expected them to be better. We we were hearing playoff push in regards to the Hawks going into the season. Right. They've been very bad. Um, they've been bad defensively. They have rebounding issues. I mean, he would fix a lot of those issues in the short term. But again, it would seem a little like if they were at, as good as everybody thought they were would be. I don't think we're hearing Drummond's name linked to the Hawks. I think that they'd be just happy rolling out what they've got. I actually like the Raptors idea a lot. Whoa, whoa, interesting. I, I mean, I mean, they, I know they're still trying, kind of retooling for a potential uh, you know title push this year too. But I mean, you'd give up Gasol in exchange no, for no. Andre Drummond. Maybe not Gasol, but I would see if you could take Ibaka, as bad as he's been, if you could take Ibaka and package him with a couple of different assets to go get Drummond. You look at Pascal Siakam at 25 years old, I believe. Drummond is 26 years old. If you're recalibrating this thing to fit Pascal Siakam's window, which they should be doing, and I think they are they are doing, then Drummond makes a lot of sense, that, and a lot more sense than a guy like Gasol. And Ibaka, and I think the Raptors have been really good at looking themselves in the mirror and being realistic about what this was under Masai Ujiri. Masai Ujiri looked in the mirror and said, you know what, we've gotten as far as we can with DeMar DeRozan, and he shipped him off despite him being a fan favorite for a one-year rental with Kawhi Leonard. He looked in the middle of last season and traded Jonas Valanciunas and other things to go get Marcus Gasol, even though they, they were you know one of the best records in the, in the league. He still made that move, so he's got a good sense of where his team realistically stands and if you're looking at where this team realistically stands I don't think that they're really an NBA Finals champion contender right now and I think he knows that and if that's the case then you look at a guy like Drummond whose window whose age fits Siakam's window go get him right now go get him right now and get his rights and make it easier for you to go sign him this summer because we know that you know he's a he's a decent playmaker Drummond is he fits sort of what they look like what they look for in a center they have rebounding issues that Drummond can help he's He's a productive player as a scorer and a, and a higher ceiling right now as a scorer than Gasol and Ibaka have. I'm not sure exactly what it would take, but go for it, Toronto. Like, just go for that. They're not has a free agent destination either. No, I suppose not. I mean, you've got an aging Kyle Lowry there. Is Siakam the kind of player that is luring other free agents, you know, yeah. during the summer? I mean, Toronto is good an NBA city as it is. I just don't know that a lot of young NBA players want to spend their time there. I mean, maybe that's just, you know, anti-Canadia bias or No, whatever, it's history. But... They've never, they don't get free agents. They don't. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard had everything he wanted there, won a championship, and still left for warmer Los Angeles. And so, I mean, you, you, you mentioned Ibaka, but isn't, hasn't, I mean, Ibaka's been the better player. I know Gasol's been hurt, but Ibaka's been pretty solid, I mean, in an unexpected role as a, a starter. I mean, if you, would you, you'd rather keep Gasol and have Drummond on there rather than have Ibaka as a, a you know a return to the bench and and do what he did last year when they won a title and, and then just have Drummond as your starter. No, I can I, whichever one Toronto wants. They they I just I think that you just trade one of them and and you probably have to add a draft pick. Maybe you have to throw in a, you know a Rondé Hollis Jefferson or an, a, a player something like Chris Boucher or something like that to sweeten the deal for Detroit. It really it doesn't matter which one. Like go if you want to trade Marcus Gasol, go trade Marcus Gasol. I don't really care. But my my bigger thing is just go get Andre Drummond because both Gasol and Ibaka are past thirty years old. They've got one year left on their contracts. The the likelihood of retaining both of them is very slim, and I don't think it's something Toronto particularly even wants to do. So move one of them, and and go get your center of the future. 
And now you're looking at a, a front court where that you could really build around between between Pascal and, and Drummond, and and you still got Kyle Lowry under there under his extension, and and you got a long term piece possibly in Fred VanVleet that still I believe have to resign this summer, um, and other pieces there, but. Just go get them because I don't really know who else you're going to get this summer um, when when Gasol and Ibaka's contracts expire. If, if can Nick Nurse maximize Drummond in a way maybe none of his other coaches have, and if that's the case, are they Ooh. are they a better team like this in year? a way that in a way that former Raptors coach Dwayne Casey could not? <laughs> yeah, yes, possibly. absolutely. I think we've literally seen that with every single player Nick Nurse has touched that Dwayne Casey has also touched. Th- those players perform better under Nick Nurse than they did with Dwayne Casey. So you could expect like a 10% bump, the 10% Nick Nurse bump for Andre Drummond. Interesting. Do, that, do you think that makes him like a, 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 well, probably, I mean, obviously it raises their ceiling in the long term, but even in the short term, do they become a better team this year without Gasol's defense? Um, can they still be a title contender in the, out of the East? Can they knock off a Milwaukee with Drummond there? I'm not sure if that's the case. I, I I don't think that they can knock off Milwaukee now, and I don't think that they can knock off Milwaukee with Drummond there now. But it doesn't hurt their title chances in the in the short term. I don't think. No. Um, and I think it just it gives them a good young player right now in the long term. I I, I kind of think it's a no brainer, and I don't really know why it's not being looked at that way. Maybe I'm just ignorant to something that I'm not seeing, but. I don't understand why this isn't. There's just so like, much goodwill around Toronto. I think that's what it is. And, and Mark Gasol kind of, you know, he's always endeared himself to the fan base. I think the one person he's only he's ever only rubbed the wrong way was David Fisdale. That probably says more about Fisdale and the Miami Heat culture than anything else. But either way, Gasol like was beloved in Memphis. He's beloved in Toronto. He was there for less than half a season, and he became like this big teddy bear that everybody loves so much. And now I think people, as fans, they kind of just want to hang on to. Something similar to what they had last year. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. But that's what I'm think. saying. Like Masai Ujiri is, doesn't oh, care he's about not that, that stuff. Tough. You know, yeah. he doesn't care. No, he doesn't Let, care. The, the Dal- really quick, the Dallas fit. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I don't hate it, uh, but I don't love it either. I, I think eventually we've got to find a way where in the last five minutes you've got Chris Stops at, at the five, even if he's not playing there for you know the other thirty minutes per game that he's playing in, in a perfect world. Doncic Drummond. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like a... I mean, it works because Doncic is a really good player, but, I mean, the Porzingis issue is one that's a concern, and I've seen some potential trade options, including Tim Hardaway Jr., who's played very well for them this season. I, I just... I don't see it. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure that you'd want to take that chance either. I mean, does you have some good chemistry going now. I mean, do you want to disrupt it by making a move? It's an interesting question. But I guess... Uh, I guess Mark Cuban would finally get the center that he's always wanted, the big center that he's always wanted, either Dwight Howard or uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I mean, now he finally gets him drunk. Coming up, Kevin Love is making waves in Cleveland, and Doc Rivers has entrusted a new point guard with the Clippers' offense. Doc Rivers recently said he's handing the keys to the offense to Patrick Beverly, something he's only done twice before with Rajon Rondo and Chris Paul. David, do you think Patrick Beverly deserves this? Is this a good move by Doc Rivers? I think it seems like mostly a, a symbolic gesture, right? I, I mean, you, you read a lot of the quotes, and, and Beverly, I mean, seems like he's... I, I think he's buoyed by it because it's a, a vote of confidence for a guy who's played so... I mean, he's, his whole career has been defined by that, by that chip on his shoulder, and that's why he is the player that he is. To be entrusted like this by Doc Rivers, who has championship experience and everything else, I, I think it's 
it's such a great vote of confidence for him. So I think it means a lot to Beverly, especially this season when they are moving forward and they are a title contender for the, you know, perhaps the first time in their, in their, you know, their, the franchise's history, really. Um, or at least their best chances at a title in the franchise's history. Let me rephrase it that way. As far sure. as Rivers is concerned, I mean, sure. Why not make the move there? I mean, if he feels confident, I mean, I think he's having played the point guard position for Pat Riley, having done so much over the course of his own playing career, um, having coached the guards that he has, I think he knows who can handle and who can't. And from Beverly's perspective, he's put in the work. He's been there longest. Uh, I mean, he, he's, you know, he, he's done a, a very, very good job of, of, you know, figuring out what, what Rivers' offense is all about and understanding it and making the right play calls throughout the course of the season. And he's getting better and better at it, according to Doc. So, yeah, why not? Why not make that move, especially if it means if it means something to Beverly? And then that kind of transcends to the rest of the team where they say, you know what, this coach, what was it? What was that phrase that he used? Ubuntu was it when he was in, Ubuntu, in Boston? Yeah, in Boston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, this kind of feels like that, where it's like, you know what? I'm I'm putting the keys to the car in your hands, and that kind of vote of confidence, that's faith in the guy who is the heart of that team. As much as better as Kawhi is, or as, as much better as as Paul George is, Patrick Beverly is the heart of that team, and, and so for him to have that kind of vote of confidence, I think will translate to everybody else in the roster. I mean, you mentioned he's played there the longest, and he's plays the most games now. I mean, Kawhi has taken every other game off, it seems like, with his load management. And so you don't want to run the you don't want to trust him to do all the play calls when he's there. So half the guy that's always there, always available. Patrick Beverly is somehow always still underrated. I think now I think we all appreciate what he could do defensively, but even offensively, like he is a good uh he's a good ringleader. He is a good facilitator. He just got gets guys in involved and he and he kind of facilitates and gets things going in the right direction. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. If Doc Rivers thinks he's ready, then he's ready. Uh, but the idea that he handed over the keys to Rajon Rondo and Chris Paul, well, yeah, I think he did that with Rajon Rondo. But let's be real about Chris Paul. He just took the keys. He's he he brought his own car and he's he like, didn't have a, yeah, he didn't have a now. choice. <laughs> Kevin Love is over it in Cleveland. He's been banging chairs, telling the Cavs GM that he has plenty of money. When he was threatened, when he was threatened that he'd be fined. Uh, he's posting pictures of Joaquin Phoenix on social media. David, is it enough to force his way out of Cleveland finally? I mean, I know this is an adult show, but you, we might want to rephrase that banging chairs thing a little bit. Uh, you know, is it enough to force his way out of Cleveland? I think I think that's the point, yeah. I, I, I think the... Uh, the goodwill is over there. As much goodwill as Doc Rivers is trying to create in Los Angeles, this is the exact opposite of that. And I know there's a lot of debate about whether or not love should have, you know, not signed that deal, or maybe he should have seen what was coming, uh, you know, in the future. But I think they were looking to retool this roster and then potentially make a playoff run in the near future. And I don't think he envisioned it being quite as bad. I think he's also had a problem with the head coach, and that's that's an issue as well. And you know. I think you want to try and create something consistent there. I think that the point is, it's hard. It might be hard to build a team, but it shouldn't really be. I, I think if you have players who buy in, if you have everybody who's willing to do the work and willing to to kind of share in an image and a vision for what this team can be, then that's how you grow as a team. Even if you start off slowly and then work your way towards something, we've seen it throughout all of NBA history. You don't you don't build a, a championship contender immediately in a lot of cases. Sometimes it takes a while. And and I think Kevin Love is 
Well, he's already had championship success. He's already done everything he could. He's gotten paid on, to, on top of everything else. And I think he's kind of done with taking this major step back in his own career. And maybe it's not easy for, for players to do that. I mean, he was, you know, he was stuck in a perpetual rebuild in Minnesota. Then all of a sudden he was four years in Cleveland playing alongside LeBron James where their, their title expectations were so heavy and so constant. And now all of a sudden, it's kind of a relief to take a step back. But then you go through the constant losing and you realize, holy shit, what have I done? Uh, no amount of money in the world makes up for this. Right. Uh, and from Kevin's perspective, yeah, I'm sure he wants to play elsewhere. And from the Cavaliers' perspective, it's time to move on. The biggest hurdle, right, is that he's got three more years left on his contract. He's on the other side of 30. He's dealt with injuries. And he's just, he probably doesn't play. He's probably not worth that value of the contract. And when you look right. at these other teams that could potentially be. Uh, interested in Kevin Love. There's a few that you know make a little bit of sense, but um, a lot like Portland has been linked to him forever. Yeah, but uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that also want to be chasing Giannis and Tunacumpo when Kevin Love would still be under contract, who could otherwise make sense for as a Kevin Love trade destination. So I'm looking at teams that make sense for Kevin Love, and why not go to the team that already has Giannis and is trying to keep Giannis? Oh. He seems like a really good fit for the Milwaukee Bucks. If Milwaukee is really trying to keep Giannis and go win a championship, I think he's an improvement. He's definitely an upgrade over over Brooke Lopez at this point. You could play him next to Giannis. You could play like you could play Giannis at center and Kevin Love at, at the four and hide a lot of Kevin Love's defensive weaknesses, which I think are a little overstated at this point. But they're not going to help as he get. They're not going to get any better as he continues to get older. You got a guy like Chris Middleton already there, and you could play Kevin Love between those two. I, I think it's it would be an interesting fit. It wouldn't take, I don't think, a lot for Cleveland to get it done. You can move Brooke Lopez and Eric Bledsoe, maybe a draft pick or two or whatever it would take Ooh, to go wow. get him. I think they, they should go chase Kevin Love because they've got Giannis. They don't have to worry about going to get Giannis. They need to worry about keeping Giannis, and I think Kevin Love can help do that. We, we know that the like Giannis wants the crown from LeBron James. He is kind of the new wave LeBron James. We've seen LeBron win championships, a championship with Kevin Love. I just, why not? He can space the floor. He could help in a lot of ways that the, the Milwaukee Bucks need help. I mean, they. I think so much of their success this season has been built on their defense. And I think, well, I, I don't go so far as to say that Love is a terrible defender like a lot of people expect him to be. I, I also don't think you want to give up as much as you're talking about there. Lopez and Bledsoe, uh, that's a big core of their team there. Yeah. That's a big part of it. So I, I don't know that that's the kind – I understand the concept is add a quality player with championship experience. If you're worried about Milwaukee being able to hang in the playoffs and compete for a title, I mean, you, you want to bring a guy who has already had that ch- that opportunity. And that's what I'm – yeah, I mean, like, Ket, like Bledsoe does not get it done in the playoffs. Brooke Lopez yeah, was okay in the playoffs, but he was – like he was exploited a little bit in the playoffs. Kevin Love, we know, can do that. We we've seen him uh, excel in the postseason. That's what I'm looking for from Milwaukee. The hell with the regular season. We, they've already done the 60 win season. Done. You're done with that. Like go get the guy who can, as Draymond Green says, a 16 game player. That's what they need now because they've got one in Giannis. And I think that's about it. I don't even think I don't. Chris Middleton is about just fine in the in the playoffs. Like go get a 16 game player. I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the idea of. Of love in Portland, to be honest. I know you'd have to move Hassan Whiteside there, who's put up some big numbers, some empty calories uh, in, in Portland. But uh, you'll get Nurkic back eventually. The problem is that you also have to wind up cutting Carmelo Anthony, right? Because he's been playing the four so much for them. Uh, and, and I'm sure that's a move that you're willing to make. Well, unless but you move just... Kevin Love to the five, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, then I guess I the idea is to score 160 points a night. 
and give up 170. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I think the the Kevin Love in Portland thing might be a, is more of a next year kind of move, right? I don't, I don't think he's going to make a difference to them necessarily to get to the playoffs this year. If otherwise, they wouldn't have made it. Um, but yeah, I think if you you eventually get a healthy Nurkic back next season, you play Kevin Love next to him. Um, I think this Carmelo Anthony thing is just a one year deal. I don't think this is going to go much longer than this year. She, you know, um, I had that argument yesterday. I was at the Blazers Heat game yesterday, and I was talking to somebody about this, and it's the same argument. I I I think he's going to be on an NBA roster next year. I don't think this is one and done here. But with Portland, no, not Portland. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Else. Like if you're if you're the Trailblazers, oh. yeah, you just got Carmelo Anthony for one year, and then just plays somewhere else, maybe. But. Um, yeah, I think Portland still makes sense. I want to see Milwaukee do something. I think they have to make a move. I don't think that they can just rest on their laurels right now, but what do I know? Remember to listen to and subscribe to Locked on NBA on po- Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. For David Rommel, I'm Wes Goldberg, and this has been Locked on NBA.